0: previously on newsbreak lotus fm
1: (laughs) i'm actually nervous to start the show can you believe it i'm actually nervous how do you talk about a hundred days of lockdown sorry 365 days a year of lockdown how do i can't even remember the numbers gosh how do you do that rachel i need your help
0: I'm always here for you,
1: Suresh. A year of lockdown.
0: I know. Can you believe it? The new norm, living life, like we never thought like it was just in the science fiction movies.
1: Wow. I mean, I was like a completely different person a year ago.
0: Yes, we were. You know, when
1: you think about that, who was I a year ago?
0: We've changed. Wow. We've all changed. From
1: the way we looked to the things we did, the way we thought.
0: Globally, everybody's changed.
1: You know, and, and, and we're talking about it from that very sort of peripheral. Where Imagine those who've lost jobs, those who've lost loved ones, those who have lost complete family members now.
0: Dare we say it was a year of loss?
1: A year of loss is, the I think, the best way to describe 365 days of lockdown.
0: But we have come out for the better. So we've learned a lot about ourselves.
1: I think we have but you know what the thing is though, I feel, um, one has not even been given the space and the opportunity to explore that side of you because you're still in a lockdown, you're still facing threats of second waves and, and third waves and you're still frightened to to live, you know, to go out there and do things. and. Wow, it's it's it's. So I know what you're saying. It it has really been a character building time. But have you tested your metal in the world?
0: Well, I definitely am. So grateful to be alive yes. and for the year that was. And when you talk about the things we've been through, that's strengthened us and made us better people. I can say. Um, Everybody's changed. Everybody is still afraid. I know I am extremely, extremely cautious now about what I do, yeah. even more than what I was before. And I think this year has done that from our families, the places we go, the things we do, how we take care of each other. But it's brought us closer together as family and friends. Yeah. That's How's for it sure. brought
1: us closer together? I recall one of my dearest friends, uh, who was diagnosed with Is that the word? Diagnosed or contracted? But who had COVID-19, was COVID positive. Um, And she said to me that um, she remembers being alone in a room for like 10 days, uh, taking a shower and being so weak that she collapsed. And she just lay there and she thought, I am all alone.
0: Yep, that was the worst about uh, being COVID positive.
1: Like nobody can help me right now. Nobody can touch me. Nobody can say it's going to be okay. I am weak and I've just fainted. Yes. And whether I wake up or not yes. is up to me.
0: Yes, yes. And it's not a lack of people wanting to support no, your the being there. It's the protocol. It's the you, of the virus. I know I didn't allow anybody near me yeah. for that time uh, because i didn't want anybody to yeah, go through yeah, that and and
1: what does that do to you then i mean like you're saying you know it's taught you so much about yourself so does it teach you a great lesson when you wake up from that and you become invincible or does it leave you with some sort of traumatic scar where you are, uh, you, you know you feel abandoned you feel alone and you constantly go through life now feeling as if you know you're alone
0: I think uh, a lot of people are still traumatized by everything. I know some of our regular uh, people who WhatsApp us say to us, I'm still not going out. I haven't gone out as yet. Even though the president has brought it down to lockdown level one, I'm still at home. I'm treating it as lockdown level five. A lot of our friends on WhatsApp who WhatsApp us tell us that. But it's made me grateful,
2: yeah. very grateful.
0: Yeah. I think it's for a lot of people, it's a second lease on life, a second chance at life. So that we are very grateful for all those things that we didn't do now we're like you know what my bucket list is going to be ticked off as soon as
1: okay hold that bucket list because <laughs> you still can't do a lot of I things know. Rachel you still can't I don't know when was the last time we went out to have lunch so uh yeah no we can't do that no no definitely. Um, but listen, I mean, that's the more interpersonal level of it and on, on that ground level. And that's really the topic for today, everybody, on WhatsApp. I want you to talk to me about your recollections of of the year of COVID-19. You can talk to me about your experiences, what you've learned, what you've seen, what you've witnessed. I really want this to be your program today where you talk about literally today is literally, a, uh, you know, a full year because it came into effect midnight on Friday, you know. And so today's the first official day of that. Yes, year. yes. But Rachel, also on a more macro level, I mean, it economies have changed, economies have, some have been brought down to its knees, Um, you know, health sectors have been exposed for being, um, you know, the ineptitude of, of health sectors have been exposed, socioeconomic classism has been exposed, and it's... It's really, really changed a lot, um, you know, globally and, and, and from an, from a nation perspective. So definitely interesting to talk about that. Okay. So that's our conversation here today on the program. Uh, literally. Three hundred sixty-five. I'm going to apologise for the way I started the program. I have to say I was, I was frazzled. Lockdown has not been something I've enjoyed at all. Um, seriously, I think I've
0: at all. Wow, well,
1: I, I don't know who I am anymore. To be honest, I know. Um, it's just I, I, I don't know. Like it's just you know everything that was my life, whether it was, um, whether it was, music, whether it was dance, whether it was gym, whether it was socialising, whether it was. Just being able to to breathe air freely, you know, literally, you know, literally, without a mask, Yes, uh, that's no longer there in the past 365 days. And it has been a lot of people have to give up, you know, stuff like that. And and it's like you just question, you know, who am I right now without those things that used to define me before yes. the pandemic? Yes. Because it's not here in the pandemic. Yes. Does that mean I'm undefined? Uh, that's been something that I've, I've, I've particularly battled with. So... Yeah.
0: It's it's made us realize that everything that's outside in the world is not who we are inside of us, and that's what we have to look for, look at, yeah. introspect, find out who we are. Some of us may not like what we see.
1: <laughs> I'm asking. I'm gonna ask you to leave the studio now. <laughs> okay. Like, go. Away. Like, I don't know. That was a hard question. So some more hard questions and even some light ones like who's his favourite football team is what I asked Professor Salim Abdul Kareem. Of course, the name needs no introduction, does it? Uh, He's been the epidemiologist internationally lauded for his approach to fighting COVID-19. He headed the ministerial advisory committee on COVID-19 for a year. His term has come up to an end now. He hands over reins to Professor Koleka Mlisana. He says he wants to focus on HIV/AIDS research. Of course, that's another area of great success for Professor Abdul Salim Abdul Karim. But he's been the man that has been really breaking down the science for us. He's been talking to us a lot about what we should and should not be doing, and he's really, really helped. The advisory committee on COVID-19 um, understand where to go and you know where not to go. So I felt it was fitting to speak with him on his recollections of a year of COVID-19. He also identified some of the areas where he may have um, you know seen gaps in the healthcare system, gaps in his approach. So it's a but a bit of a critical reflection for him to look at what he could have done better and what he did wrong. So, a uh, great conversation with Professor Salim Abdul Karim, and here is that conversation exclusively for you, Professor. I have to ask, though, and it's a bit of a stupid question, but um, do you feel like the years flown by, or has it been a slow, painful one? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to me,
3: the last twelve months I feel like I've lived twelve years. Yeah. I feel like so much has happened. It's like what normally happens in a whole year happens here so quickly. Uh, I mean, it's you know at the time hasn't dragged, but it's just I just feel like so many hours and so many things have happened, and at such fast pace that uh, yeah, know it feels like you know pre-COVID was long ago. <laughs> I
1: don't, it was. I don't <laughs> it was even know how we how we existed in that time. But did we shake hands? Did we hug people? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So you know, on that note, it's it's literally a year since um, you know the hard lockdown came into effect, and you know lives have changed. Everything has changed. When you look back on the year that was, you know, what is your immediate recollection?
3: When I uh, reflect on this past year, it has been so full of different experiences, things that, you know, have for the first time come to light. But the thing that takes me back is that, you know, I've been studying and working with epidemics for more than 30 years now. And I started working on the first thing I did was a measles epidemic back in the 1980s. And I'm looking now, and I think I've learned more in this last year than I did in the whole of my previous 35-odd years, and because there just was so much to do here, a completely unknown virus. We had high levels of uncertainty, and I had to try and understand this situation and try and find a way... Uh, in which we could take on this challenge and keep it at bay. And I was very fortunate. I worked with some amazing researchers in, in the Mac and outside the Mac, And, I mean, to me, our country is so blessed to have so many good scientists.
1: Your work uh, specifically, and I I think, you know, one of the ones that we followed very closely here has been in the field of HIV AIDS research. And, you know, you almost get a sense um, that your work was very dependent on science, with you sitting with the science and understanding how to how to mitigate challenges. But this time around, you had to do that. But at the same time, work very closely and very actively with the man on the street, the everyday South African who really wanted to know, professor, what's going to happen to me? what should I do? What was it like to have that added pressure on?
3: When I reflect back and I you know think about having to deal with all of the multitude of you know different responsibilities, I think the thing that stands out is that, uh, you know, the science really took a central role in the response and that one of my tasks was to communicate that science, conveying what is known, what is uncertain, and help people come to terms with this virus and its challenges and to play that kind of public educational role. I could never have done that on my own. I did it because of all the wonderful partners I had a chance to work with across the media, whether it's in television, radio, or newspaper. And I have felt that they have been the messengers to bring forward that knowledge, that experience, that understanding of this epidemic. And my task was to take complicated science, and to try and explain it in a very simple manner. Not one that hides what the issues are, but one that brings forward what the issues are in a way that everybody can appreciate it. I hope I have been able to speak to them. I hope that they have had a chance to grapple with with the science, with the the way in which it was conveyed, and that they were able to use that in better understanding and taking action themselves against this virus. And if if that has happened, I've I've achieved more than I could ever ask for.
1: Yeah. And and to the approach, Professor, I mean, a lot of research done, one will never forget one of the early briefings of yours with the nation, just sat on tenterhooks listening to every word that you translated from science to scenario. And a lot more done uh, advice on lockdown regulations procurement of vaccines in your approach which has been you know internationally lauded where do you think there were gaps you know what didn't you see coming in your approach to fight covid-19 in the past 365 days
3: I think the big gap that i found was that the country needs to have a centralized epidemic response unit it needs to have in that unit, uh, the capacity of science, of social science, of laboratory science, to come together and to access all parts of government, but to really provide that kind of scientific leadership. And in that kind of epidemic response unit, needs to have three things that it's capable of doing. The first must be able to do surveillance. It must be able to you know, reports accurately on our situation of the epidemic on a a daily basis. Secondly, it's got to have the capacity to do the diagnostics and to be able to do the testing and so on. Third, it needs to have a biotechnology arm so that we're not dependent on trying to buy diagnostic kits from the rest of the world you know when everyone else is trying to buy them because we ran out of out of testing kits uh, early in the epidemic we need to have a biotechnology arm that can make new drugs we need a biotech that makes new vaccines so we shouldn't be waiting to buy vaccines from somebody else we should be making them and i think that capacity is something that i look forward to helping to contribute to building in our country so that we are much better prepared for our next pandemic because I have no doubt that there will be many more to come.
1: What COVID-19 and and specifically the impact of lockdown has um, you know, unearthed in South Africa, or rather made more uh, apparent, is the socio-economic gaps for many in South Africa from the way one accesses public health care to the way one is able to economically sustain themselves. How do you think this has highlighted shortcomings in the South African healthcare care system that, you know, has now become food for thought for going forward?
3: Yeah, you've touched on an issue that, you know, has given me a lot of food for thought. You can't really respond to a pandemic with a fractured health care system. You 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 need a healthcare system that is coordinated, capable, and that can that is nimble. It can make changes when required, so that you know when we're dealing with a wave, we can reallocate a whole lot of wards to become COVID wards. That we've got enough ventilators, we have oxygen supply. We're learning about all those essential ingredients. That in our healthcare system became critical to saving lives. Oxygen is life saving. Oxygen is the most powerful weapon we have against this disease. Uh, you know, we're learning now the use of steroids and so on, but really, oxygen has been critical. That, that's what determines when somebody is infected whether they will live or die. Now that we are appreciating that, we're also beginning to appreciate. The importance of having a healthcare system that has some very fundamental capabilities. And unfortunately, in our country, over the years, we've not been able to always maintain the standards across our healthcare system. We have high standards in several, you know, really good hospitals. That unfortunately doesn't translate because I've seen how hospitals in the Eastern Cape. I mean, they can't wash linen because of all the corruption and the ineptitude and the poor management that we've seen there. So somehow we've got to draw on the best amongst us to help lift up you know, those amongst us that need help to get to a higher level because we need a better functioning and we need a more evenly better functioning healthcare system to respond to COVID and to the next epidemic.
1: Yeah, and Professor, it's, it comes at a very you know symbolic time then for you, um, end of your term as the co-chair of the COVID nineteen advisory committee, um, and I know you say you want to um, you know focus and devote attention to a lot of the other avenues of work that is definitely a significant and as important. But do you think that you know you're still needed here because COVID nineteen is not over yet?
3: you know, for me, this has been a singular honor and privilege to serve as the chair. Uh, I, it has been nothing but an honor for me to do so, and to do justice to this to this responsibility, it really requires somebody to devote their full energy to it. It's not a part-time thing. It's not something you can do, you know, on the side, in between when you've got free time. The the the, the nation and our country expects the best, and they should get the best, and they should get your undivided attention. I've been able to give that for the last year, and that has come at a price, and that price has been that I've had to neglect all the other things I do. Uh, you know, I have three professorships at universities in the U.S., and all of them demand time and energy and effort. I have students, I have my research all of that has had to take a back seat. And, you know, it was fine doing that for a year, but that can't, can't continue. And I felt if I was not able to give 100% of my effort to, to this responsibility, then somebody else who is able to do that should replace me
1: and this is you know a social challenge that can't be helped too much and that is human behavior uh, of course the guidelines have been issued to to many a south african on what and what not to do during covid but you know as one has navigated through the relaxing of lockdown regulations over the past 365 days um there is always room for non-compliance by the South African public. Going into another festive period, and I know you've called for a stricter um, lockdown to be imposed during this time, you know, um, your thoughts on whether or not this is likely to happen, that you'd get a stricter lockdown imposed for the Easter period?
3: Yeah, so when I look at uh, our current state in the COVID-19 epidemic, we are really in a good position right now. We have low transmission levels, we are at below a 5% positivity rate, the situation looks pretty good, the trends all look very positive. So we are not in a third wave, we are not going into a third wave, we have no hint that we're anywhere near a third wave. And we are in a situation now where we have in the region of around a 1,000-odd cases per day, which is a reasonable position to be in. So our main responsibility is now to look after that game, is to ensure we don't lose that position. And we can very easily lose it if there's a super-spreading event, if there's some way in which one or two people can infect know, several hundred, then we might ignite a third wave. And that's what worries me. And so we need to make sure that over this Easter period that we are vigilant, that we maintain all our protective measures, and we are very careful about our social distancing and mask wearing and so on. And I think the government will need to uh, increase some of the restrictions to help reduce that risk.
1: Professor, final question then, and this is about Professor Salim Abdul Karim. Over the past 365 days, what do you miss the most?
3: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing I miss the most is that pre COVID, on a Saturday and Sunday, I put my feet up and I watch sport on television. I start usually with uh, rugby matches that started about 8.40 in the morning, usually from Australia. And then I will watch the English football there's a Formula One race. Uh, and I've, you know, I just—it's just downtime. It's just the ability to just enjoy watching sport, and I've got a big screen TV. I uh, sit there with my popcorn and my diet coke, and I'm, I'm just allowing, you know, the day to 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 roll on, and then you know, on Sunday morning to take a walk on the beach and just to reflect on life and so on. I, I haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> The whole year, I'm looking forward to at some point in the near future to be able to, to just do some of those things that we've forgotten because we're just so busy with COVID.
1: I'm so scared to ask this question, Professor, but between the adversarial giants, Manchester United and Liverpool, who would you choose? This is likely to spark another sort of pandemic.
3: <laughs> oh, so in, in, uh, the Premier League, I have to tell you that I support Chelsea. So, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I used to be a big fan of Man United. I used to watch the matches, especially when Ryan Giggs was there. Yes. Uh, but Chelsea has had its days, you know. Did well, didn't do well, put on the doldrum, but they'll be okay. If there's a, if there's a derby. You know Manchester City versus United, you bet I'll be watching that. But other than that, you know, I, I'll watch it if I have time.
1: Wow, to have a normal conversation, how refreshing was that last bit? Professor Karim, we thank you so much for the work that you've done over the past 365 days and wish you all the best for the future endeavours and to stay in touch with you on the topic. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure and an honour. So there you go, what Professor Salim Abdul-Karim misses the most, watching sport and, uh, yeah, big fan of Chelsea. <laughs> it's wonderful to get uh, sort of a different perspective and insight into into his mind, into his life. And, um, yeah, so I see a lot of messages here on the program and I cannot wait to go through all of them. But... Um, Keep them coming through. I'm asking you today on the program, what is your recollection of 365 days of lockdown, one year of lockdown, one year of COVID-19? Well, of course, it's reaching its, um, you know, um, danger point, which is why we had to go into alert level five of lockdown a year ago. Um, what have you gone through? What have you learned? What do you remember? What do you miss and... Everything you could possibly tell me about the other was. I'd love to hear it. Durban, the Easter India Shopping Festival, is back at the old Durban drive in from 24th March to 18th April with no extensions. From 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily, entry fee only 10 Rand. New goods just arrived saris, Punjabis, bridal wear, footwear, sterling and imitation jewelry, kurti tops, lengas, cosmetics, astrologer, food courts, Fun Fair. See you there. Okay, so off to WhatsApp we go, and we're going to try and take a lot of your messages today, Mr. A.N. Govender.
2: Good day, Trish. On 26th March 2020, South Africa entered lockdown for the first time, and the levels have changed during the course of the year to contain infections the pandemic caused job losses and increased unemployment a 350 rand per month was paid to the unemployed government employees also applied and received this grant fraudulently The UIF was also claimed by government employees, another fraud. There was also massive tender fraud with regard to the procurement of PPEs. Vaccines came into the market and South Africa was caught napping. Vaccines are coming in dribs and drabs. Vaccine sites are far and few. The third wave is approaching and South Africa has no clear vaccination plan. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Mr. Governor, for those recollections. Um, Yeah, vaccine rollout in place, but of course, many questioning the efficacy of it. Kogi ready.
4: Good evening, Karesh. This is Kogi from Verlum. Losing my nephew, Modli Seelen, with COVID, it's very, very painful for the entire Modli family. And then my daughter was also tested positive, but I just trusted in God and prayed that my daughter pulled through. And uh, as for doing shopping and running about, it leaves me no choice that I have to go and do uh, the necessary paying the bills, buying the groceries, seeing to the food. And I just trust in God and wherever I leave my house, I'm always with my mask and my mask is never ever taken out. Just coming from the shopping place in Vietnam, uh, noticing most of them not wearing their mask and it's like a don't care attitude. So only when you go through it, you'll know the pain and the hurt that you're going through. Bye Taresh, God bless you, very good
1: topic. Thanks Kogi, and yeah, I wish you strength through all of that. Um, we've got Mr. Louis Pillay on the program. Hello, sir. Good afternoon, Newsbreak and the team.
2: Yes, what we learned from the COVID was fantastic. We learned health issues. Now that we know we gotta wash our hands, clean our hands, use sanitizer, use soap every often. And, you know, we have learned a lot from it. The social distance will stay. I think, you know, if you're really looking at it, the kissing and hugging, that will fall away now because of the health issues. We learnt a lot, although we lost quite a few people in that one year we love so many people, but we cannot replace them. If you look at the other health issues, like keeping yourself clean, I think that will stay forever. Thank you, Louis Pele, Durban.
1: Thanks, Mr. Pele. You know, he's talking there about hugging and kissing that social contact. And I think we've spent a lot of time talking about um, the new normal of how to do things and observe things. And, you know, and I said last week, at what point do you come to the point where it doesn't work, right? The sort of virtual life we're living. Tomorrow is Holi. How do you celebrate Holi <laughs> online? <laughs> you, know, you throw the throw the powder on, on, on the screen, on the camera lens, and that's how you celebrate Holi. And that is definitely something I'm going to miss so dearly tomorrow, not being able to, to play Holi. Uh, Mr. Chellen
2: on the line. Good afternoon, Newsbreak team. This is Daniel Joshua Challen. As far as the years lockdown is concerned, on November 14th, 4, I went in for an operation for amputation of my toes and I thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that I'm visually impaired so the lockdown didn't have a very much of an effect on me because of my visual impairment I didn't go out very much but I'm grateful to my Lord I'm grateful to my son that flew from Canada down to be with me when I went for my amputation. My ex-wife that flew from Johannesburg, my children, my siblings and the rest of the family that stood with me. And after the operations I had to go to a step-down facility and then to an old age uh, assisted living place. And while I was there recovering, uh, the lockdown came in, and I couldn't get out of the place. I stayed there for Approximately eight months before I was able to come out from there and live on my own again, and also it was very fearful because people in that old age home uh, contacted the virus, the staff and some of the caregivers and some of the people. The guy in my very room contacted the the virus as well.
1: Thanks, Mr. Challen, for your recollections of the other was uh, more messages now on the program. Going to your voice notes first. Um, hello there.
5: Good afternoon, Taresh. it's Andesha from Ottawa. This past year, I have been observing people's behavior and their reactions to the COVID pandemic. And whilst many of us do take precautions and wear masks, sanitize, keep our social distance, There's a vast number of people who disobey those basic requirements during a period of pandemic. I often see people still walking around with a mask, but not adequately protecting them. The mask drops below the nose, sometimes below the mouth. People need to be conscious of this. Cannot hold government or any other person responsible when individuals have control over their own lives and their own safety. They walk in clusters, they do not observe uh, protocols that you know, you go shopping, there's no need to take the children along, but you'll find the whole family trooping and not bothered. That COVID is still here with us to stay.
1: Andisha, thanks for that recollection. Um, going to more messages now on the program. Here's a poem. And Zakira, did you write this? Confess, because <laughs> it's stunning and it's it's wonderful. Um, Zakira from Johannesburg says, um, "These are my first thoughts about lockdown. Mother Nature wept her tears, a swell of the first wave. Not a hello, but a here, O oh mankind." COVID monster is not a tease it will bring you to your knees did mankind go rogue to bring the mask in vogue does death too wear mask I suspiciously ask so we barricaded and played the game of wait, sheepish hellos and buys through the iron gate, stunning line the palpable fear of all near and dear, will we, will we wave away this menace or will it greet with a second wave hello I do not know Wow! (laughs) Stunning poetry. Um, Wow. Um, Yeah, that was an amazing, amazing uh, poem on the impact of the past year. Uh, So yes, lots of messages on. I'm going to try and go through them as much as we possibly can. Um, So yeah, you stay tuned to the program and when we come back, we continue with a lot of your recollections of the year that was um, for COVID-19.
6: Bollywood Bullboard.
1: This Saturday on the Bollywood Bullboard, we will be presenting a grand 50th anniversary tribute to the classic film Hati Mere Sati, starring Rajesh Khanna and Tanuja. Also on the show, this week's top 20 Bollywood tracks and a special focus on national award-winning actress, Kangana Ranaut. Don't miss it.
5: Usually it's, it's people who make you feel... Especially the kind of camaraderie they show with a male hero, they never show with an actress.
4: Hi, this is Kangana Annot and be sure to catch all the latest with version on Lotus Lotus FM.
1: Okay, going to WhatsApp now for your text messages. We've got um, a message here from um, Rani in Stanger Manor. She says, one year later, we're still fearful but very humbled. The magnitude of the virus is a force to be reckoned with and social life has become almost non-existent. I'm grateful to the Almighty for saving us thus far. Uh, I'm going to uh, Sunita of Shepi says, uh, imagine we couldn't even attend our close family funeral. And that's sad. I think that was a major, major turmoil for many not being able to actually go attend the funeral of your loved one. I mean, how does one ever, ever recover from that? And no amount of interviews has ever been able to make that clear for me. Um, Vitesh Rajpal says it's all about cleanliness. And yeah, that was the initial bit of it. Hey. Uh, one should take these precautions just do the right thing the clean thing and you'd be safe Rajan Rajkumar in Cape Town says I miss the handshake the hug the kiss and most of all not seeing my family and friends it's a year since I've seen the faces of my staff because of their masks yeah sometimes it's you know you see people and they don't even recognize you <laughs> um, this is from Shamilam Maharaj in Stanga uh, who says lockdown has taught us the value of life living behind closed doors losing loved ones people suffering in hospital beds some can't make ends meet because of the lack of jobs couldn't meet our families and friends, but to uh, To to those rules we were safe, but until now we still follow the protocols and social distancing and using our mask um, Here's a message about uh, the professor and this is from Saroj who says um, the professor has become so popular because of the COVID-19 pandemic, I never knew that we had such an intelligent scientist giving the nation such informative talks on the virus, whether my family knows um Whenever my family knows he's going to talk on TV, we would wait patiently to listen to him. Um, what I like about his briefings was his explanation was so simple, where everyone can understand. And his talks put in simple terms and making it so easy to understand about the virus. Um, all the best to him and his work in HIV. Saroj, I think great message there. Um, I I think... Um, you know, definitely a sentiment that many has shared about Professor Salim Abdul Karim. Mala says level five of the lockdown was really difficult to adapt to, with non-essential businesses not being allowed to open. It took a turn for the worse, the businesses being forced to close down, resulting in job losses. Many people are affected financially ever since the virus has made an entry into the country. Life has become a roller coaster with so much uncertainty. I think the economic aspect was terrible and um I remember doing all these interviews with the likes of, you know, people in personal care. And they were saying, oh my gosh, it was terrifying how we are unable to work. And imagine for like, I think about four or five months, they sat without work. Uh, Rohini says, Namaste, 2020 has been challenging, difficult, depressing and frustrating. We can't let our guard down. We have to follow protocols and take precautions as it is part of our life now. I've not been out for one year and 2021 will be the same until I take the vaccine. Lots of love from Rohini. Thanks, Rohini. And yeah, imagine that that cabin pressure, cabin fever, they call it, we you're just stuck indoors. Um, Doris says, um, one year down the line, thank God we're still alive. We lost loved ones. Many family uh, face the reality. People don't let your guard down. Here's a message from LA who says, if there's anything to learn from the past year, it is that the current world economic system is unsustainable. It was exposed in so-called developed countries. The best healthcare systems virtually collapsed, and even the um, having access to the best private healthcare meant nothing. Who can forget the scenes in Italy and England of desperate patients being treated on the streets? Uh, yeah, healthcare became really, really um, evident. Okay, please send some voice notes because I'm talking a lot. I'm just reading all of what you're saying, so I look forward to some voice notes now. Uh, let's go to one from Ranjani. Hello.
4: Hi, Taresh. Trust you well. Thank you for the updates. Well, the lockdown taught me a lot. I have learned many lessons about cleanliness, godliness it also taught me about social distancing setting myself apart also I hardly visited my children, I was very obedient also Taresh. it speaks about we hardly went to the religious places like churches, temples but God was planted in our hearts to for us to pray daily meditation also I thank Lotus FM for updating us and giving us advice teaching us it was such a great lesson taresh i just want to thank god for blessing us in everything lots of love ranjani really
1: thanks ranjani glad to have played a role in that for you um here's another voice note today
5: good afternoon news break this is julie naido from pizza maritzburg i just want to wish Professor Abdul-Karim, all the best in his future endeavors. He's become so popular on TV and on Lotus of him with that warm, kind voice of his, all the best, Professor. And I want to say thank you for your family, for allowing you this one year to be with South Africans on the ground and doing all that you've been doing for us. Thank you.
1: What a, what a heartfelt uh, message there about Professor Salim Abdul Karim and the uh, impact he's made. Uh, yeah, so those are your messages, your voice notes. Keep them coming through. Looking forward to a lot of them. Some text messages. Now, Kala Shakti says, uh, thanks for all the news on COVID. One year of lockdown and thanking God for many my many blessings. Stay blessed. Just a pleasure, Kala Shakti. I, you know, you're saying there, thank you for the news. Um, I, And I was saying to Rachel a while ago, I happened to be off on one of the addresses by president um it was just you know a day off time time off and so I didn't put anything on my social media um because you know I kind of transcribe word for word as the president speaks I get it out there on social media so you know people can follow it and, and have it access to it and I swear to you my phone just blew up People were messaging me and and all these messages and all my media platforms saying, where are you? President is speaking and you are not tweeting. You are not uploading the posts on Facebook. And I sometimes don't even watch the president's address. I just go to your Facebook page. And I just thought to myself, gosh, the impact, you know, this work that I do and I do it robotically, you know, it's, if, if, if there's a story, if there's a briefing, my intention is just to focus on it, grab it and put it out there. Um, but the fact that people wait for it, you know, they they just literally associate you as the disseminator of information. And if you don't, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to achieve the news. And you've gone through that as well, Rachel. I mean, so many times. Where, um you know, I remember sometimes I'm trying to talk to you about our program and you're on the phone explaining something to somebody. <laughs> yes, because yes. they're like, Rachel, you did a story earlier. I missed it, but I caught the end of it. What's going on there? It, yes. I mean, I, for one, never knew my role in disseminating the, the valuable role. Um, and I know it sounds egotistical, but it is literally a fact because, I mean, the stories and the, the, the um, incidents I'm relating here actually happened. So based on that, I never knew how much people needed my work
0: yes yes for whatever reason if they are not able to listen to the president speak or professor uh, karim or even dr anbin they relied on us for that information and i'm so glad we could be a part of that
1: it was absolutely humbling i remember there were times where um you took it upon yourself people would actually ask us for questions here and you would collect those numbers, research it, investigate it, and get back Respond to them the solution. To them. I mean, and th-
0: that's that's what we here for. Educate, empower, inform.
1: Yeah, definitely. So yeah, Kalashakti, I definitely understand. Uh Ramba Mudli says, uh thanks for the program. For me, losing loved ones during lockdown has been traumatizing. And Rachel, I hope that you're well. <laughs> so your little friend there, Ramba Mudli, Rachel. Uh, let's go to um Let's go to Vino Jagesser who sent us a uh, text, just trying to retrieve it. Yes, Vino Jagesser says, um, thank you over the year for updating us with status and variants." And the one thing I'm grateful for is uh, he brought lots of families together, especially building marriages during this pandemic, building marriages. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay, that's fun to know. Um, Ramba says I uh, really missed Ramba from Woodview says I really missed my church uh, stayed at home listening to Lotus and watching TV I'm never uh, I never got COVID thank God and we're so grateful and we also thank God Ramba that you never got COVID and I hope it stays that way forever and ever Nirmaladevi Devi Mudli says um, our Professor Karim and his team Um, to have delivered invaluable information only to educate our nation and take us through COVID-19 pandemic, miss the freedom of interaction with people for so much anxiety, insecurity and loss of love for being um, a human with a journey to to be an experience like all. Um, Yeah, I think that anxiety has been an issue and I think we are, if we have the time, we're going to be talking about the impact that, um, you know, from the health impact that it has had on the mental state uh, something that often is overlooked. V's from Cape Town. Uh, the best that emerged was the awareness that the extravagant, pompous weddings and other functions are so unnecessary. Simplicity is the way. I know, V's. A lot of people were saying, quickly, quickly, I want to get married now so I can just get 50 people to my wedding as I initially planned and not invite my mother's dressmaker who I never met in my life. So a lot of people were happy about that. Um, yeah, big fat Indian weddings, hey, the times are changing. Uh, Yasmin Roy says, when I have to think about COVID, I realize I run an organization and I've always emphasized to my ladies, wash your hands and now it's become a way of life. But my husband and I still live in the fifth phase. We haven't seen our children and grandchildren for over a year. I'm going to share a little secret. So, um, ma'am Yasmin Roy owes me roti and we told her that the next time we come for our election work, because we go around the country and we are going to make a stop in Newcastle. And that would have been now, actually, because yes. ideally yes. the local government election would, would be one been. of the days and we'd be busy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, visiting all these spaces. And COVID has so, so to it that um, we can't go and have that roti that we're supposed to have with Ms. Yasmin Roy. So hopefully soon we come to Newcastle for that. Uh, awesome show, Abby from Newlands. Abby, I love that you're listening and send us a voice note if you'd like to share your recollections. Um, And Tejal says, uh, thanks for keeping us well informed. Only a pleasure, Tejal. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. So uh, Selvin, uh, yes, no voice note today. Selvin, I'm going to have to read it. Uh, He says, um, he appreciates how informative and authentic the show is. And I'm thankful, he says... Uh, I'm thankful to Tarish and Rachel for allowing me to say it like it is over the over the times. It helped clear up irregularities, particularly in the police and justice systems. My son is having a North Indian, South Indian wedding soon, but less people. <laughs> uh, Selvan, we invited for that. Rachel is Yeah, I
0: want to know. Are we invited, Selvin? Trying
1: to pick out an outfit here. <laughs> If there's sweet meat, I'm coming. Whether I have an invite or No,
0: we're not going. It's um, fine. We'll stay true to the lockdown regulation. Yeah.
1: So yes, that has been a lot of a lot of the sentiment coming through. Okay, so. Um, when we come back, we try and bring you more information, more content on the program. Stay tuned.
6: Nothing but the best. The official drive with Lloyd Paul.
1: He's the man with the golden voice and a deep passion for promoting arts and culture. After more than thirty years at Lotus FM, religious producer Segun Naidu retires this month. We go behind the scenes to celebrate his legacy. Tune in this Wednesday, the thirty
2: first of March, from three pm. <coughs>
4: But then you get it, Share
6: the experience. lunchtime radio at its best. Friendly
2: Peramal another really interesting talent I've noticed is the entertaining manner in which you do your recipes and your cooking videos. I've got to tell you that I'm vegetarian, but it, it really caught my attention the, the fresh chicken curry on the outside fire. Okay, so that chicken curry is like a very special day that we had in our house. So it was the day where like, we, we got together and my mother, my father and I cooked the curry together literally. My mother like cut everything and prepared it and my father and I sat outside and cooked the curry and, like, they, they'd be eventually just dead outside alone, because I am not been by that fire and coffee and singing. <laughs> Lotus
6: at yeah. yeah! Share the experience. Yeah.
1: Newsbreak talk, and uh, we are talking today about a year since lockdown. So, uh, you may definitely uh, send us your thoughts and you know the impact it's also had on the mental health of of everybody. I mean, it's really taken its toll. And we ran this interview with Cassie Chambers from SEDEC, it was conducted by Newsbreak's Genevieve Lanka. Let's understand the impact it's had. Newsbreak podcast.
6: We went into it thinking it was going to be three weeks and now a year later and so much has happened and COVID has really impacted every aspect of our life. How we work, if we're still able to work, there's been a huge increase in unemployment, schooling, remote learning, how we connect with people. The mental health impact has been huge and we as SADADC have even seen that from the core volumes that we've seen is that so many people, whether they had a mental health issue before lockdown, there's so many more people that's Mental health was affected because of lockdown.
0: Initially, Sadek was talking about pre-traumatic stress disorder because we were literally in the middle of it. It was just before. Now a year Mm -hmm. on, is it still a case of pre-traumatic stress or are we looking at post-traumatic
6: stress? In a trauma, it's when the trauma or the stress or the risk is happening right now, which we're all in because we're still in COVID, we're not out of the COVID bubble yet. After COVID has ended, then we could be looking at symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. So there is these new terms that have been coming also from around the world, what pre-TSD, so pre-traumatic stress disorder, where you're in the moment that you're experiencing those same symptoms, you know, increased levels of anxiety, feeling over-vigilant, disturbance in your sleep, feeling nightmares, feeling anxious all the time and and almost that fight or flight mode. It's very physical and emotional symptoms at the same time. But yes, we're still very much in the trauma of COVID-19 and especially with 2021 with the start of the second wave and having that huge impact of losing so many loved ones and now even the looming third wave that everyone is talking about. So we're very still hyper-vigilant we're still very traumatised by this whole experience. Um, so a lot of people can probably be relate to having those feelings at any part of any day. You're speaking
0: about people being in limbo about grief, but the fact is a lot of people are in limbo about life in general at this stage. <laughs> Not many people yeah. want to start anything because, you know, they're waiting for when
6: COVID ends or when I get the vaccine. How do you move forward from that? It's totally normal to feel exhausted, to feel over it and in that limbo. And this is when we really have to take care of ourselves and our friends and our loved ones. And A, just give you that time to reflect on what the year has been. And while we're surrounded by all these negative things that have happened, we really have to hold on tightly to what are some of the positives? What are some of the things that I could look to be grateful for? You know, back in the beginning of lockdown, there were all these things that people were sharing about. You know, baking the best banana bread and learning new skills and trying new hobbies. And I think people are tired of trying to do those things a year later. But maybe we have to change the game and change how we react to it. There's so many things in COVID we cannot control, but there are some things that we can still control, and that could be our reaction. Newsbreak, Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.
1: And that report there by um, Newsbreak's Genevieve Lanka, we can control our um, reaction. So wonderful point there from Sadag about controlling your reaction to the pandemic. Okay, so a lot more messages have come through. Let's... I don't think we can fit them in, but um Yeah. To everybody who did try and contribute to the program, thank you so much. And I wish you well as lockdown progresses. And, um, you know, it's been a challenging time. I'm quite proud of you, South Africa, for doing your bit and your best to, um, I think, to keep the country afloat and to, um, you know, ensure that you made it. And I think you did in the year. So, you know, if you're here, be grateful for that. And if you've lost somebody, just um, warm wishes and I think great energy. To, to those souls that have departed. The broadcast came your way courtesy of the team executive producer Salma Patel. Rachel Vadi also in studio today, and we are going to be talking tomorrow between 12 and 1 o'clock. From Meetaresh, hey, have an awesome day.
6: News Break, Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.